We are so excited to be interviewing Dr. Amanda Olson today. She is the president and chief clinical officer of Intimate Rose. She earned her bachelor's of science degree in 2005 at Pacific University and went on to get her doctorate of physical therapy in 2008 at Regents University. She is certified by the APTA with her CAP-PF and by Herman and Wallace with their PRPC, both pelvic floor certifications. She is also a STOP Pilates instructor and an RRCA running coach, which she feels is helpful in creating running programs. Dr. Olson is an international educator. She loves educating runners on pelvic floor dysfunction. She's created multiple courses and publications, and she has also written a book called Restoring the Pelvic Floor for Women. Her passion is empowering women and men with pelvic floor issues to lead fulfilling lives. Haley and I are so excited to ask her all the questions and have a good conversation on pelvic floor today. Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. Hey, girls. So good to see you. I'm so jealous you guys get to... Be in the same room as I each know. other. <laughs> yes, we are. Our spouses work together, and we just decided when when Addie moved back into town, we're like, we're just gonna we're just gonna bubble together. That it's is so a, special. Yeah, and so being able to sit together and just talk has been like getting us through all. <laughs> been so Absolutely. nice. Absolutely. Yeah, let's start with having you introduce yourself and sort of telling us a little bit about your your story. I'm Amanda Olson. I'm a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health. I'm also the president of Intimate Rose, where I create devices for pelvic health to help support people on their um, pelvic health healing journey. And uh, additionally, I am an educator. I teach on pelvic floor dysfunction in runners and also um, various topics within the pelvic realm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like Intimate Rose kind of changed the game with pelvic floor devices and wands and dilators and really making it more fun, I guess, is like the the right way to put it. I don't know, have Addie have or Amanda, have you seen that um, movie called on Netflix called that came out right at the beginning of quarantine? Um not Tiger King. No, no not Tiger King. <laughs> Did see that? Um, Orthodox. Yes, I love that show. So so the the main character of that show, she's in a and Williamsburg, sort of an Orthodox Jewish community, and when she gets married, she experiences uh, pelvic pain, vaginismus, and they actually have a community member um, who sort of is their sex therapist, essentially. And it was actually, I thought, pretty progressive. I was impressed. Um, wow. But they give her a set of dilators and they she has a vulvar puppet. And, and so it was surprising how progressive they were with the sex ed that they were giving these, these women. Um, but it was like, yeah, that traditional hard plastic dilator set. And she basically was like, oh, I'm not going to go there. Um, yeah. 
but when you've got nice soft materials and fun colors, I feel like that really helped that go from like cold and clinical to yeah, a little bit more more fun, which is Inviting. amazing. Yeah. So so tell us, I know you have a very cool, not cool, you have a very <laughs> <laughs> cool unique right unique yeah a very interesting story and I think a lot of pelvic floor PTs have stories of experiencing something really intimate and something really difficult and and that really driving us to get into this profession so tell us about your your story absolutely yeah I think all of us get asked by our patients frequently like what made you choose this? I'm thankful. Thank you for doing this. But what made you choose to va- do vaginal and rectal exams all day? <laughs> um, so I I finished the doctorate program in physical therapy. I specifically went to physical therapy school with the goal of being a pediatric neurospecialist. So I I that was that was my whole intention. I graduated. I was working at the children's hospital. And um, I was out in in the wilderness. I'm here in Oregon. It's very beautiful here. And I was amongst some very adventurous people, very adventurous boys. Uh, We were out on on a river. There's a spot on the river that's 40 feet up and it's been deemed safe. I'm using air quotes here. It's been (laughs) deemed a safe place to jump and jumping into the river at 40 feet up um, because it's a very steady part of of the river. Um, and so I was keeping up with the boys and up and over off the ledge, I went. Um, and just to recap, I had a doctorate degree, so I was smart enough to know better. And I was <laughs> roughly 24, 25 years old. I should have been old enough to know better, but I wasn't educated that when you jump off a cliff, you're supposed to land straight like a pencil. And I landed in the seated position on my Ooh. bottom. And from 40 feet up, Water is pretty much like cement. It, it's like the worst imaginable enema situation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like... It was that plus soft <laughs> tissue damage from oh my, my rear end all the way down to my heels because, you know, oh, I, landed, I landed with my legs separated. So oh. um, I essentially annihilated myself, uh, you know, serious, serious injuries. I had to get fished out of the river. I'm a strong swimmer. I, I had to be pulled out because I was totally non-functioning. I was coherent, but... Um, I was very significantly injured and the first course of treatment, you know, my physician was so amazing and progressive because this was 13 years ago. And her first recommendation is you need to go see one of your public health colleagues. Mm -hmm. And at this time, 13 years ago, there was like 300 in the country. It was not a thing. Mm -hmm. I knew it was a thing because we had like two girls in my class that were interested in PT school. And we had a really great professor that actually did it. But so I was freshly out of PT school, had to go and get a lot of rehabilitation done. And I saw an incredible pelvic health therapist and she really helped mend me up. And at the end of our course of treatment, when I was graduating out, she said, Amanda, you need to quit pediatrics. You need to do this. (laughs) You have the right personality. There's not enough of us in the world. And I think you're right for it. And so I did. I I went back and recertified, you know, at that time, again, I mean, it was not really a thing. There was just a few hundred and mm-hmm. um, I went and did it and, you know, it's my new purpose. This is what I do yeah. now. So who knew like such a tragic injury <laughs> would lead to like an awesome pelvic PT journey. Yeah. That's yes. great. A whole new purpose. Absolutely. Yep. It totally redirected me. Yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I went on to have two boys naturally. Like, I'm fine. And for all intents and purposes, I could have been dead. I could have been in a wheelchair, perhaps, not not having good function. Um, and I run marathons. I'm 
fine. Yeah, I think I think that speaks to really like how resilient our bodies are, but also our pelvic floor is capable of healing. The phrase that I hate and I hear so often is like, I've had kids, I'm just, it's just a mess down there or it's just wrecked. And it's like, actually, you can like blow apart your pelvic floor from jumping off of a cliff and be okay. (laughs) Yes. And then and that message is so important that it can feel really hopeless and it can feel really dire and bad, but we are capable of, of getting better. So Addie and I were talking about like, what is the question we can ask Amanda to like throw her off a little bit and make her, make her laugh or make her clench her butthole. And, um, that question is, what was your most, what was the scariest bowel movement? Your first bowel movement after injuring your pelvic floor, jumping off of a cliff or after having your, your first child? One million percent after my first child. Like okay. I, and I don't know if it was a difference in age um, because I had my first baby at 30 and my second at 33. Here's the thing. I was not a pelvic health physical therapist when I jumped off the cliff. So I went into that first bell movement afterwards, like, oh boy, this is a surprise mm-hmm. versus <laughs> like after, you know, after having had, had a child, I knew what to expect. And I think okay. that expectation probably drove some of my discomfort. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. so true. Yeah. Sometimes the more, you know, the more you clench your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of water enemas, I don't know if you have ever, if I've ever told you this story, but I was water skiing once and got pulled under and like refused to let go. Let go. (laughs) (laughs) And my legs like started to separate and the immense pressure, like talk about, I'm sure every hole (laughs) was full of water. (laughs) It was so painful. And I was a teenager, so I had no idea what was, I, I knew the pressure of the water, but I didn't think like it actually went up there. And then, like, I got into the boat, and I'm just like, oh, (laughs) it was horrible. I still remember it very vividly, like, sitting on the toilet and just all this water, (laughs) just like. (laughs) So I can kind of, I mean, I'm sure yours was worse. So tell us, was it through that that experience and de- and having to use like various tools like dilators or pelvic wands, sort of why you wanted to des- start design something different? Was that sort of the inspiration behind that? And yeah, absolutely. You know, my tolerance for different things, I think just as a product of, of being a physical therapist is pretty high, but I immediately recognize the discomfort in it. And then, you know, introducing them to my patients and having that conversation, I just really felt like I, exactly what you said. I wanted them to be fun. I wanted them to be pretty and I wanted them to be unmedicalized and destigmatized and like, look like something like if somebody's child or if somebody's friend accidentally found, like it was left laying out or something, like it could easily be passed off for something different because <laughs> this is a paperweight, you know, because yeah. <laughs> the kids I, I will want, find them. Yeah, they will find it yeah. my, <laughs> or the dog but, or yeah, my, my, <laughs> I think he was probably one and a half. Like I remember the yellow dilator from the sample kit was like his favorite toy. <laughs> oh, 
for like oh, a couple sweet. of weeks and like we, he would go to the store and he'd be holding that thing and I was like well no one probably really knows what this is unless they've had pelvic floor problems and do I care like it's maybe a moment to educate people um, a teachable moment yes so uh, you that's your goal it yeah, works achieved. yes absolutely I wanted it to be smooth and comfortable and and cute Awesome. And so we have pelvic wands and we have dilators. And so I would say personally, I'm probably less intimidated. I feel like sometimes patients are also less, a little bit less intimidated with dilator, like the concept of a dilator being like, oh, you know how you foam roll your, you know, foam roll your hips. We're going to use this wand essentially like this little miniature foam roller for your, your pelvic floor. And people can really feel like, okay, I understand these are muscles and this is muscle just like anywhere else in my, my body. But I feel like dilators absolutely have their place as well. And so I'm curious. Wait, wands? Yeah, wands, wands I feel like are, yeah, that are less intimidating. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for me personally. Um, and so um, how do you, how would you go about that conversation of, I really think though, a course of, of dilators is going to be more beneficial. How would you, how would you approach that with a, with a client? Sure. And certainly respecting that some patients need the wand to reach deep internal tender points or trigger points, Mm -hmm. and they need the dilators to be able to train the brain Mm -hmm. and the pelvic floor muscles together to tolerate a cylinder thing of some kind entering their body. Mm -hmm. And some patients only need the dilators or they only need the wand because their issues with penetration are simply due to the deep tender points. So Mm -hmm. there's a wide, um, variability in terms of what tool is appropriate, which is why it's so beneficial to be seeing a pelvic health rehabilitation specialist, specifically speaking about people that are appropriate for the dilators, people that are having pain with the tampon or with Mm. a speculum exam with their doctor or intercourse penetration of different sorts with their partner. I, I go back to that what I just said about the the dilators are a cylinder type device that help to train your muscles and your fascia and your brain to tolerate penetration. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, the wand can be used to help relieve deep tender points that are driving different types of pain and and may not be associated with penetration. The the dilators are very specifically for the carryover of those events, the tampon, the speculum and and the partner and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that way, it is making contact with the full cylinder of that vaginal opening and the vaginal canal. And so we're just training your brain as to what to do in those events. Yeah, the that that nervous system, you know, response is is I think so 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 huge. So then that kind of carries us into Valentine's Day and intimate relationships, and really being able to bring a partner into care because we know yeah. and we talk about that like sex is pelvic floor exercise. Sex is going, it drives blood flow. It, it is helpful for healing in lots of different ways, muscularly, fascially, but also the nervous system and the, the crossover that those things have. But yeah. What are your sort of thoughts and feelings on um, having partners be a part of a dilator program or a pelvic floor program? I think it is 
fantastic and also highly unique to every person who's using the dilators and that couple. I have seen women who want the dilator process to be pay no attention to that woman behind the curtain. You know, like they don't want, they don't want their, their partner to be participating in the dilator process. They really want to come out like a finished product. Okay. Yeah. Ta-da, yep. here we are. I'm, we are I'm done. done. We yeah. are ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I have um, other people who that partner is there on day one and at all the appointments and they are, you know, like a, a great cheerleader and learning how to support them emotionally and then also learning how to participate in the dilator training session. So it's highly variable. All of it is the right choice for them. You know, I want to highlight it's like whatever choice you make is definitely the right one for you. And all of it is like totally normal. And so um, when a partner does want to participate, um, I love it when they come to a physical therapy, a physical therapy appointment, because I get to kind of underline and highlight all the good work that um, she is doing. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways that reinforces you know, the condition, sometimes they feel like their partner gets it, but not all the way. And so Mm -hmm. it invites that ability to educate them and um, answer their questions. And sometimes also it's a very supportive partner, but they're worried they're going to hurt her. They don't want to hurt her and they want to make sure they're doing all the right things. So it gives us a chance to teach a warm-up process, you know, Mm -hmm. a physiological process where we're preparing the brain, we're preparing blood flow, we're getting a nice breathing rhythm going. Maybe she initiates the dilator training process on her own. um, And then he can come in later, or, you know, maybe there's some actual foreplay happening, Mm -hmm. which is going to spike that circulation and get some good endorphins going, get some good uh, oxytocin, which is a love hormone. We have it for our our babies, we have it for our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that helps to create a more relaxed environment. And relaxed environments are where the good stuff happens when we're training the pelvic floor. Yeah. And Haley and I talk a lot. Well, we did a whole episode on postpartum sex and kind of prolapse. But when I think of dilators, and I've, I haven't had to use them in my recovery, but I'm like, that would be a great foreplay if the partner came in and that could be really easily incorporated into like that relaxation and just kind of learning each other's bodies and him learning or her learning your body. And, and I'm like, that'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I could see yeah. where like, that would be good to warm things up. Yeah. So, yeah. so one of the things that I love about the Intimate Rose products is the feel of them and that they pair really well with lube. So what is your favorite type of lube and which types of lube would you kind of recommend for for dilators and wands and things like that? Sure. So um, generally speaking, medical grade products such as ours um, must be paired with a water-based lube or a natural oil. So um, water-based lube is a category in and of itself. And then an oil could be a a coconut oil or an avocado oil Mm -hmm. or things like that that are not going to interact with the medical grade silicone. Interestingly, science shows us that silicone-based lubricant and medical grade silicone devices do not get along and it can actually ruin the device. And that's pretty standard. Um, So water-based lubricants, we make one. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Velvet Rose. We have a pharmacy team that um, we work with to do that in our supplements. And it's a great one. And then another, my, my other favorite is just basic fractionated coconut oil. 
you know, and different people have different allergies and responses and all of those things. So it becomes pretty highly individualized. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just recommend that people try different things and find what they like. So, so water and oil, but no silicone based lube for, for your intimate rose products because they're medical grade silicone. This might be a dumb question, but how do you know if your products are deteriorating? Or like, let's say you didn't know that silicone lube was detrimental to your products. Like, do they get discolored? Do they start to, they wouldn't flake. I wouldn't think silicone would start flaking, but how do you. Sometimes you'll see a crack um, because it'll, it will have degraded the silicone and it'll kind of develop like a little crevice or something. If that ever happens 100%, like if it's our product, email us and we'll replace it. Even if it was your boo-boo, like we, we know stuff happens. So we are always happy to, to replace that. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, and then how about the cleaning process of your, your wands and dilators? Is mm. this something that you need to sterilize like boiling or yeah, what is the, what is the other parts of the care, the care process there? Yeah, we make it really simple. So just warm water and soap, the same kind of soap that you would wash your hands and you can do the ABC song, just like you're doing yeah. for your hand hygiene um, to clean them and then patting dry with a towel. Okay, nice. Cool. So I was on your website and you have great information information on there. Really helpful stuff. So any listeners go on there, there's like diagnoses and information on that, but you have um, like a, how to use a dilator 101. Um, Obviously everyone's going to be a little bit different. And if you're working with a PT, you take their instructions. So I had a message come into me and they're like, are you going to talk about self-release? She has tightness after running a lot. And so she's like, I'm really excited for this interview. Can you talk about how you can, you know, release yourself after like a hard workout or run? Just very general info. Like, what would you say as far as how someone could do that? Sure. Usually um, muscles that wind up um, associated with running are the deep hip muscles. Obturator internus is one of the famous ones. Love that muscle, but it also loves to get wound up. Our wand, um, the wand I designed is specifically designed to be able to reach that muscle. It's very, very deep. It comes up and out far, 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 and often masquerades as hip tightness. Mm-hmm. Um, so the wand is generally a really great tool for that and reaching that and either end. So if you look at our wand, um, I know folks are listening, so you can go to our website and see it, but there's two different ends. Um, they are tapered differently. They are curved differently. There is purpose behind that. However, every person's different. So you can try both ends and see what feels best. The The golden rule with using anything, whether it's a finger, a dilator, or the wand is the tomato touch rule. And what that means is that we're never pushing on our bodies. We're never pushing on tissue any harder than we would push to check a tomato for ripeness at the grocery store. You know, we're not going to push so hard that we smush our tomato and our our thumb comes crashing through. Um, But we want to get a sense of if it's ripe and if it's ready to go. And that's how we treat our tissue. So, you know, you can reach in deep, but once you make contact, tomato touch. Mm -hmm. So you have a regular one and a vibrating one. Now I can think of another surprise. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I could think of uses for the vibrating one, but what would you like, how would you decide or what guidance would you give someone as to which one to choose? Sure. Well, we have another surprise coming in in about, yeah, you guys are one of the first to know. Yay! Um, In about three weeks, 
we are launching our hot cold wand and and so same same shape same silicone covering it's gonna be yellow and um it can be run under hot water to warm it up for treatment or put in the freezer to be used for cold therapy um so that will be the third offering yes so look for that coming soon general characteristics so the regular wand just is as it is and it's used for uh, tender point release and mouth ash release vibration is associated with relaxation of the muscles in most people some people it winds them up and maybe it may not be the best choice but for most people that vibration is very soothing and it helps to create a general sense of relaxation it also stimulates blood flow which is really vital to healing um, whether it's from an injury or childbirth or a cancer treatment um, all of those things are, are really beneficial with vibration. And then some people are really just in need of some temperature change during their tender point release. Um, you know, I, I told a dear friend about our launch and she um, is somebody who is has been very vocal with her um, endometriosis struggles. And she said, do you know how much I needed that <laughs> back when I was really mm-hmm. struggling? And and it's so true. And some people um, really rely on um, ice and, and cold treatment to help bring down feeling some tension and so we wanted to get something out that could provide all of that so it just comes down to individual need and I feel like the what I've heard is like fill a condom with water and freeze it um that was a long time ago that was like 10 years like you can put like a little bit of alcohol and yeah like so that it's like a slushy I feel like silicone like (laughs) would be way more comfortable because it's not so cold that you're gonna like freeze your vagina (laughs) it would be like way more comfortable (laughs) so I would totally be down for that versus like shoving ice anywhere (laughs) Yeah, I feel have like a licking a pole phenomenon. Yeah, stuck. Oh gosh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. I'm yeah. excited. And I then- feel like in this my last pregnancy, I tr- would try my best to like use my wand. But you know, as you're like getting sort of bigger and reaching around, the wand was helpful. My right right obturator was always tight. on fire. So I would try to have my husband do it. But he's this big Samoan man, like very heavy handed (laughs) and like couldn't understand this idea of like a tomato touch. Like (laughs) he would squish a tomato. (laughs) And so what I would do is I would kind of like get myself set up. And because I just like holding where I needed to hold and then doing the breath work that I wanted to do, I would be like, okay, you're just going to hold this still. And I'm going to like go to my relaxed place. But that really was helpful. And I think also really helpful for him to be, be come part of the process and feel like he was participating and could help versus me just getting irritated with him being like that's too hard that's you know that's not hard enough and feeling like he couldn't do a good job and so when all he had to do was like hold it in place he didn't have to think that hard he didn't have to make any adjustments um and then it wasn't his own sort of muscular force that was was super helpful and that's just the basic one so that was just the purple um, original wand. And and so the fact that now there's vibration and ice and cool, I think is amazing. And I've actually been putting my um, wand, my purple wand in the freezer a little bit Work on some of my um, scar tissue. So I have to get a, get a yellow one and, and try that out. I'm like, real. I'm going to hop on like after this and buy that vibration one because like my husband does, I get tight obturators too after running or working out. Right. So as of now, he just does all the releases, but 
I imagine, and I know it's not, but I think of like that massage gun, like for your back. <laughs> you see it all, like all over oh, Facebook. I, those things, oh my God. <laughs> they're so intense and like, they look like they're very painful. Not, not that like this that. is anything, not, not like, like that. that, but like same kind of like massage. I think I would like that vibration on my optrator. Cause like, yeah, trigger point release is fine. But I think like that vibration would really help kind of sense it for one, you know, like in neuro, you were going to go into neuropedes, that vibration relaxes and yeah. like, absolutely. Well, and I, I think some of the like older school ideas with the pelvic wands were like, it was seek and destroy, right? So find <laughs> that hard spot and like, just press it as hard as you can until it lets go. And yeah, we know that especially our pelvic floor muscles are so driven by our nervous system and so interconnected with that you can't just beat a pelvic floor muscle into submission <laughs> yes we want to get muscles to relax figure out why it's tight in the first place working on those those imbalances and that's yeah working with your provider is so so crucial but the fact that the the intent of the whether it's a dilator of wand is to just to bring us back down to a place where then we can really work on it um and then after you do you like your internal release, because that's how usually if I'm sore or tight, that's like our foreplay is to like get everything relaxed and then it feels much better <laughs> to have sex. Yeah. But like how cool to have that vibrating wand where you could just like start getting into things after your sugar point release. That'd be great. Absolutely. And there's 10 different frequencies. So people, some of them oh are soft goodness. and some of them are a little bit um, higher frequency. So it's a little bit stronger. And then some of them will ramp in and out. So there's 10 to toggle through so people can find what feels best to them. Does the whole thing vibrate or is it like one end or how does that work? Um, it, the whole thing will vibrate. Um, a lot of people sense it more and the, uh, the motor is situated. So, you know, it, the, the engineering of it was yeah. two years in the making. That's um, so it's so cool. The, it fits all in that space. It's yeah, it's all in there. Cause I wanted to keep the original shape. I'm very, very um, attached to that original <laughs> shape. Yeah. Um, and so the motor is in the middle, but slightly forward. So some people might feel a little bit more of it in the front end of the wand, but you can still get that vibration sense in the longer back end of the wand. Cool. Cool. So, so Addie and I like, we always joke about clenching assholes. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) especially in this last year, like sphincters collectively are just tight. (laughs) Addie and I actually taking um to be together remote yeah on the 20th so what would what would you say for rectal release because I think for women it's again vaginal internal release is way less intimidating than than going in the back when if that if that is not something that you you know typically are into yeah what would be kind of a tip for someone who knows maybe their posterior floor needs more of that release or their coccyx needs a little bit more of that release yeah Addie's Addie's, I'm so afraid of anything back there (laughs) Uh, I need to get over it (laughs) um, on the wand there's sort of a a wider end and a more narrow end and so the more narrow end I think is typically what you'd recommend to start but are there any other strategies 
for sort of investigating some of that rectal release for someone trying it for the first time? Absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, there's a long flat end on the wand. I do recommend that that is where someone starts when taking a rectal approach. I think it's really important that um, a couple of things. One, I've been there, right? Because when I fell on my bottom, that's that's exactly where we had to go. And I didn't have my special wand back then because I hadn't dreamt it up yet. (laughs) Um, So it's a very highly sensitive area because there's a lot of nerves back there. There's a lot of vasculature and we have, you know, the tailbone, which is a mobile structure and it should be mobile, but it shouldn't be too mobile. We want to have just the right amount of mobility. And so when we do things like clenching under stress, which is a totally normal physiological response to stress and fear and trauma, the muscles around that area can be really, really tight. And so I think starting with a vaginal approach is a really great introduction to having something in those orifices. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I know that the thought of having something in there is just mortifying for most people. And I just want to let people know that, you know, under the right care, whether it's yourself or a, a physical therapist or occupational therapist specializing in pelvic floor, it can make a world of difference to getting access to some of those muscles. And I also like to say that there's a hundred ways to wrap a present, right? And so it, it doesn't need to be where we start. There's a lot of different ways to relax. Um, one of the cues that I think is helpful to having entry and you guys are going to learn this. And also for those listening, physical therapists learn on each other, y'all. Okay. So when we're in class, (laughs) Haley and I are going to get real close. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We have to do it on our friends and we have to have it done to us. Anything we are doing on you, we have had done to us. And that is a really humbling part of the learning process. And I think that's what makes us special. And um, it also allows us to know what it's like to be the patient on the table. And that's where most of us start is because something happened and we had to get it addressed. And so one of the cues that really helps is to drop the pelvic floor as if you were going to pass gas. So if you if you can imagine that you, you want to pass gas, but you want to keep it quiet, you're going to gently mm-hmm. bear down and that's going to open that sphincter. And then you're gently going to put that wand on the tip of the anus and just roll it in very, very slightly. We are not coming in hard and fierce mm-hmm. <laughs> with anything. No, right. no Samoan touch to the rectum. No, he will not be practicing on my rectum. You know? But you know what? Bobby, my husband broke his tailbone. He's a oh. paratrooper and, and um, oh. fell on his tailbone. So he, he has benefited so greatly from my, my <laughs> physical therapy. Um, yes. But he, every once in a while, I'll see him sitting if we're in the car for a long time. I'm like, you need some more, you need some more pelvic floor work. Um, and so, but anyway, so that's, that was a little, little tangent, but. Um. So coming from someone who, me, <laughs> is afraid of anything in there. And that yeah. stems back from like, I had anal fissures for like 10 years. So it, you know, just a lot of like clenching and tightness and pain. There's two things I immediately think of where I'm like, ooh. One is I'm afraid I'm going to poop. And two is I don't like that feeling, you know, because like the rectum things are supposed to come out, right? So when you put something in, it feels like something should be coming out. I can't describe it, but it's like, do you ever get over that? Like if you work to release your rectum and like sphincters, or is that just like a reflex that'll always be there? Yes and yes and yes. (laughs) Um, So 
the um the musculature around the anus is that circular smooth muscle right and so when something is coming in our brain registers it as something coming out our brain is very very confused most of the time because this is a brand new novel experience sometimes no and it is what it is um but for the most part our brain has never experienced the smooth muscle having something come in so it feels like something's coming out so i want to promise you that if you're the patient on the table or the clinician going in for the first time 99% of the time you are not pooping. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it, even if you are as a patient, like we've seen everything, like literally uh, we have seen it all. So we are not bothered. And there's, you know, there's like lots of tissue down. And I, I know, and I appreciate, and I respect that it is, um, it would be mortifying to know that that happened, but clinicians are very good at hiding it. And you, even if you want to ask, we're going to say, no, you didn't poop on the table. Yeah. <laughs> just like in the delivery room. It's just like, the nurse oh, is yeah. like, mm, no, you didn't. <laughs> you're like, oh, I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> so just understand, like, it's a totally normal experience. So when something's coming in, it does feel like it's coming out with time. So as you know, um, if you're getting treatment over and over again in that area, which, you know, eventually the treatment will stop. This is not something you have to do right. for the rest of your life, right. but your brain does start to know, okay, this is coming. The clinician is going to put lubricant on and approach the anus and say, take a deep breath in and exhale. And we're going to drop as if you're passing gas and roll in. And your brain is going to start to know and expect what that feels like. And over time, it will not feel as bad. That first experience is always the worst. I've been there. <laughs> I can attest to it, but with time and practice, but as clinicians, from a clinician angle, you know, you're going to come out of that weekend and probably need a glass of wine and want to be left alone for a little bit. <laughs> it can be really stressful. And, and that helps us appreciate, and I'm not suggesting that wine is the answer. <laughs> just saying, right. all of that's to say is give yourself some grace, you know, yeah. whether you're the patient or the practitioner, give yourself some grace, allow yourself to have some alone time, some rest time. And you, you might have emotions that come up and that is normal. And if you are feeling strong emotions, I always recommend having a, a counselor to, to step in and help, especially if there's been a history of trauma. You know, a lot of patients come at this and um, maybe the trauma was a really long time ago and they feel like they're over it and then they start going through pelvic health therapy and some of that can get stirred up again. And, and we're going to, we're with you and we're going to support you, but it can be really helpful to have a counselor on board. So mm -hmm. again, to reiterate, wine is not the answer but you want yeah. a glass you can have a glass yeah. so, so I have kind of two stories I'll tell one I tell patients at their first appointment a lot of times that yeah you, we learn in a big room well not now but before you COVID. go yeah. to your, before your public floor classes and you're in a big room there's a lot of people and all the tables are like phasing in and the teacher <laughs> is like circulating and so there's just <laughs> crotches out there and at the first lab everyone's like sweating and really nervous oh, yeah. and like okay we're gonna do this and um you've got your sheet and like you're being really careful about you know keeping your area to yourself with your partner and the teachers always are like by the end of the weekend everyone's gonna be super comfortable everyone's sitting there like yeah right no we're <laughs> not gonna be super comfortable and they're like no trust us you're gonna be super comfortable and I remember like the second day of lab I had just been the patient I hopped down off the table I needed to go grab some gloves from the front and I like didn't even grab my sheet <laughs> Like yeah. I was fully Winnie the Pooh, like top on top, <laughs> no, no pants on the bottom, nude on the bottom, just walk up to the front. Like, and there's a room of like probably 60 people. Yeah. 
And I was like, oh, I am really comfortable now. And like, yeah. that would have, I would have never anticipated that. And so, so I always kind of use that to like break the ice on like, yeah, this is what we do. And then by the end of the weekend, you're like hopping to different tables, like checking out different people. And you start to appreciate like how cool vulvas are versus being embarrassed about them. Yeah. It's an experience yeah. for sure. <laughs> It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. Something I have, like, you can tell this is a very anxious subject for me. I have one question that I (laughs) have been like dying to ask someone. So I this up in my head, literally made it up, but I need someone to put my like (laughs) thoughts at ease. Is there ever a point of like doing too much rectal release or work that you would lose control of your bowels like you'd loosen it up so much that like you would become incontinent I made this up so I need to like- <laughs> don't worry no that I mean that's like that question is super common really so you, okay good you are not you are not too far in left field and the answer is predominantly no that is highly extensible tissue injuries and surgeries certainly can injure that tissue, stretch it or tear it um, in a way that can result in fecal incontinence. That is a thing. We treat that thing. It's really interesting. Um, But by and large, just doing basic fascial release, the ability for the muscles to have good adaptation and come back together um, in the absence of a surgery or a a tear um, is very, very good. So unless you are pushing too hard on a nerve and injuring that nerve and losing actual neuromuscular control, predominantly no. I do have an interesting patient story where there was significant injury due to a surgical procedure and she, you know, did have fecal incontinence. But again, similar to how we think about the the musculature around the vagina, it's the same musculature. So when we release scar tissue, when we retrain the pelvic floor muscles, we can regain continence in most circumstances. And There's also really good um, surgical techniques and sometimes injections that can help with that stiffening around that sphincter again to regain continence. So all that's to say is generally speaking, you're not going to mobilize or have too many examinations or practicing with a partner that's going to result in a denature of the tissue. And for those who have maybe a tear after childbirth or a surgery or cancer or those help is on the way. This is a fixable thing. We can help. It's muscle muscle and tissue. And we also have other colleagues that we can pull in to help quarterback too. Addie, think about your biggest poop you've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't do that like often. Like you're, it is meant to stress. So like I'm thinking of the nervous system and like reflexes. Like if things are supposed to come out and you start like putting things in, like I'm like, can you mess up that wiring? Kind of like bladder. That was where that was coming from. (laughs) exit only kind of mentality over here yeah I think I'm about to get over it I'm sure in a couple weeks well and I think you know it's like that that nervous personality yes and anxiety go along you know our very first episode one of the first things we ever said was like tight balloon knots that super tight those super tight sphincters go along with people who are like ab grippers who are jaw clenchers um who have like a slightly higher resting level of anxiety in general and so yeah we're going to create stories that maybe aren't accurate based on those things and and that those two things aren't don't separate <laughs> yeah um so so at my first public floor course i was about 
a little over a year postpartum and I had not processed his birth at all. He was, he was fine. I was fine. Everything was fine. We were great. And I had like an anxiety attack and we hadn't even done the lab yet. I'm like sweating thinking about, they're talking about perineal massage and a whole bunch of memories of his birth came back. And so that's like when I got a counselor and like really worked yes. to process. And I, I wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have even processed those things. And I'm so glad that I was like called into public health. And I'm so glad I had that opportunity to really experience what that that remembering feels like or that trauma felt like to relive it or to remember something that I hadn't remembered or didn't even remember existed. And that was really as like as scary as it was in the moment or as like bizarre as it was in the moment, really, really helpful, um, I think, for me clinically. And I used to be nervous to recommend people to go to therapy or go see a counselor or therapist. And after that, I was like, you need a therapist. You need a therapist. <laughs> we all we all do because I think it meant to me before that I had failed in some way but when it allowed me to be so much more comfortable as a partner as a therapist as a mom as so many different things my pelvic floor felt better <laughs> my pelvic floor felt better my back felt better because the interventions that I was trying on myself worked more effectively when my nervous system was more relaxed yeah we can't we can't separate we can't separate those those things and it, it's so so important yeah the mind and body they work I mean we love to separate things in our medical system because you have to you have to focus on something because you can't know everything right mm -hmm. and yeah. so we have like the mental health professionals we have the physical professionals but our mind and bodies they don't know any kind of separation mm -hmm. no and you guys just put that so beautifully because I think it's important that people know that we are saying the mind and the brain are a component but it's not all in your head. Right, and I think right. Sometimes, you know, a patient hears that from a clinician, whether it's us or their doctor, and they think that we're saying they're crazy. You know, oftentimes we have a totally different relationship with our patients. So they understand that that's not what we're saying, that you are not crazy. It is one thing, it, you know, it's like anything, you know, taking your car to the mechanic, getting it, you know, updated and all of that, that is that is what can be found and helped in, in counseling. And there's so many different types. It can be so, so beneficial. And, and it's to address that, that mind connection. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very cool. So when you had your accident, were you um, in a relationship at that time or were you married at that time or what was sort of the status of that? And how did that impact your, your sexual relationship at that, that time? Absolutely. Yes, I was in a relationship and I could not, I mean, I couldn't hardly walk. I couldn't sit and I definitely could not have sex. So um, yeah, I was just on pause while I was going through rehabilitation. And now, you know, I'm, I'm totally better and I'm able to do whatever I want. And, <laughs> and it's, it's great. Yeah. So what were some strategies that you'd used to begin to return to intimacy? Was that more um, just open lines of communication and supportive partner and that kind of thing? Yep, you got it. So number one, being strong communication about like readiness and um, what I could tolerate and what I couldn't. Um, I'm always a big advocate for, you know, the person that whether it's 
one partner or the other, whoever's injured, you know, because we, we treat men, we treat all genders, we treat all the pelvises. Um, so who, whoever is going through the re rehabilitation process of like being, when they first start engaging in penetration or sex again, that they kind of steer the, you know, the rhythm and the depth and all of those <laughs> kinds of things. And so for a lot of people being on top is mm -hmm. the best because they get to determine, you know, depth, uh, rate, all of that. Um, another good one, and it is so unique because everyone has their you know, injury or pain in different locations. Um, but generally speaking, kind of the spoon position mm -hmm. allows for a little bit more shallow and it's also um, a very intimate and close and supported position. Um, there's oftentimes not a lot of in and out type penetration because mm -hmm. it's not a very uh, ideal position for that, but it is very close and snuggly and secure. And so I like it for that reason. So um, that's when I'll recommend people try, but I think it's important that you just try different things and figure out what works best for you. Yep. And also it's important to know that like a lot of really sexy, awesome things can happen that are not penetration. Yeah. So yeah. there's, you know, and it doesn't make you like less sexy. There's like still like really fun and passionate things that can happen yeah. that are not necessarily just sex. Yeah, t totally. Totally. I think probably the most, this is up for debate, I suppose. The, all the things that lead up to before like penetration can often be yeah, way more, way more fun and appealing and satisfying than, than even that itself. And I think it's okay to take it off the table as long as everyone's having uh, some good conversation. I read, so I've been following like sex therapist accounts on Instagram, just to like another perspective in this whole like pelvic health world. And I saw something this week of the responsive sex drive. So like you're not, um, you might not feel like turned on or like in the mood until things are happening and then you respond mm -hmm. to that. And so they had like a, a quote, like sometimes just changing the verbiage of like how your spouse or partner comes requesting things from you, <laughs> like mm -hmm. instead of like, you wanna, <laughs> like, <laughs> wanna have sex? It's like, are you open to being intimate or like, are you open to the option of intimacy? Something like that. And so I was sharing this with my husband, Ash. And so now this week, <laughs> He just keeps quoting that. You're defeating that for the But it is true. Like it's less pressure. Like for him to be like, yeah. hey, you want to have sex? Like it's great. Fine. Whatever. But like if I'm not in the mood or I'm a very responsive sex drive. And so that's not appealing to me. But like if he's like, hey, are you open to cuddling? Are you open right. to Yeah. That I'm Making like, oh, yeah, sure. yeah. 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 Putting so much pressure on like P and V when there's so much other connection. And I think females, that's a generalization, but do need a little bit more of that feeling of like, you're with me, you are here for me and we're, and we're supporting each other. And this is safe. A partner could have the opposite or is like, they just want to get her done. Ash and I, it's like males tend to get that connection from sex, whereas females almost need that connection before wanting to have sex, at least in our yeah. marriage. That's... And so then if things are painful or uncomfortable, yeah, it's going to just like just the thought of going there is just not even going to come up. And I find postpartum like estrogen being low, it doesn't even cross my mind, <laughs> you know, and so yeah. we're trying to be intentional about like, okay, 
you know, opening those lines of communication and then it doesn't cross my mind. And then if, if it's, if it's uncomfortable then yeah, then that just becomes this cycle of like, I'm just not motivated keeping all of that, all of that open, I think is really Cause important. if sex is the goal and you're having pain or discomfort and you can't get there, then you've failed right? Like you feel like you failed. Whereas if, if the goal is just to connect or like, Hey, let's, you know, just have some time together. There's not really a fail. You're just having time together. And usually like that connection will bring on the feelings of wanting to do stuff or not do sex and do other things that make you fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Absolutely. It's changing the narrative, Mm -hmm. just changing how we, we approach it and how we deem success. Yeah. Take that pressure off. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have any other questions, Addie, or any, anything else you want to add? We got some good questions in there. I'm excited to edit this. This will be fun. (laughs) So actually I do have one more question. What caused you this year to have a more clenched butthole running a business from home or having to potentially homeschool or virtual school your, your children? Oh, it was, <laughs> it was a third fact. Okay. Politics probably made okay, me yeah. clench first. We forgot that one. There was so much the leading driver of, of my stress. Um, but um, I will say I, running the business, um, we were able to pivot very, very quickly and swiftly. And I did choose to homeschool my children. And um, I think the pressure that I put on myself probably caused more clenching than anything of all, all. just, you know, Mm -hmm. just wanting to do right by my kids and, you know, do all the things and keep them safe. And Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. oh yeah. Yeah. So much. I'm surprised we haven't heard my three because they're entertaining themselves quiet. So we'll, (laughs) we'll see what condition my house is in when we go. (laughs) I have a first grader kindergartner and a four-year-old. So um, they all have their tablets and they should have been on their virtual meetings, but we'll see. <laughs> they did amazing gold store for them. They really, yeah. Well, I kind of bribed them with donuts so they <laughs> can pick whatever <laughs> donut they want after yeah. this. They did good. Yeah. We, we are using, we're nanny sharing and that has caused me to relax my butthole a little bit. And that has been oh so important. Yeah. Yeah. Starting a business with a newborn and all of the things that were going on in in January um, yeah, was a lot. But I feel like this podcast has really been so helpful for us and hopefully some other people too. Yeah, we're we're thankful for all the things that we that we have. It's a good outlet. Mm-hmm. It's a fun. Absolutely. Outlet. <laughs> I, I would say like these like doing podcasts and just like my meetings have kept me like feeling like myself, you know, it's yeah. it's it's been brutal. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's like a form of connection. You know, you're you're still getting a little bit of like, oh, there are other people in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen them. Yeah. Yes. Um, awesome. Thank you so, so, so much. Mm-hmm. We are so excited. And I think people are going to just be so excited to get to learn a little bit more from you. And so our listeners, where can they find you? Or um, I know you have a running program. Is that online? Um, yes. 
Um, and so the best way to find us and me is www.intimaterose.com. And on there, it's again, over a hundred videos and articles and all that good stuff. They can yeah, always so reach good. out um, at support at intimaterose.com. We, we take care of any question anyone ever has. And then Instagram is a really great place also to find other educational videos that you don't find anywhere else. Um, and that's Intimate Rose. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Check out the website. It's very impressive. Yeah. We're going to, yeah. we're going to get that. Is there a pre-order for the cold hot Ooh. wand or will that Ooh. just release? We are going to release it in about four weeks. Okay. Um, we have not opened our pre-order. We usually do that about two weeks prior. Okay. Okay. Um, but if people email in, we can start um, filtering those and, and getting people set up. So okay. cool. I'm totally getting a vibrating wand for Valentine's Day. I have a whole set. It's my Valentine's Day present to Ash. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Perfect. <laughs> All of the things. Perfect. <laughs> so. Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so Thank much you for so, your time. So it was, this was a great first guest. Like yeah, you're our we first were, we interview. Were like, we so. don't know what we're doing. We're just going <laughs> to try and hopefully it's not a disaster, but I think that was super, super fun. Thank you so much. It was perfect. I, I am thankful to you. This is definitely the highlight of my week. Let me tell you. <laughs> way too much fun I love it and yes. have me back I would love to talk about other stuff yeah yeah, yeah. we'll put it we'll do like a little poll and we'll see I think yeah. running who would, would be a you big like one. to listen to on a podcast like who is any like pelvic health people that you'd like to get hear their two cents or get them taken off guard by asking about their <laughs> how tight their bottles yeah <laughs> Oh my goodness. We have so many great colleagues. I think Janice at my PFF. Oh yeah. Yes. She's a funny girl and she's a, she's a great gal and she's got good stories and she's, she's seen some things. She's done some things. I think she'd be yes, a great Her reels are great. Uh, yeah. I gotta, I'll send her a message. We'll see. We'll get, we'll see if we can get her on. Yeah. Yes. And then um, I think Amanda Fitzgerald, who is Empower Your Pelvis. Oh yes. Yeah. She's good. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I love she's her. She's funny too. Yeah. She's funny too. I saw your, your reel in her just did. Yeah. yeah um, I did too. I just shared that. Yeah. Awesome. Fun. Well, very good. Thank you so much again. Thank and, you. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll talk soon. You can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment, and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. <laughs> and our music is provided by Blockhead. <laughs>